Hi, I'm Stephanie Winston Walcott, the former founding fashion director of Lincoln Center, as well as former fashion events director at Vogue magazine. I'm also the author of Melania and Me, The Rise and Fall of My Friendship with the First Lady. Today on the show, we're going to speak about the Trump family beyond politics, the Trump Stepford wives and their real agendas, and the power behind the curtain, as well as Melania Trump's green jacket and the real meaning behind it, and what lies behind all of these Trump family members. Welcome back to another delicious episode of Curiosity Bites. This episode is brought to you in part by the Awesome Music Project, bringing music, story, and mental health together. All proceeds from the Awesome Music Project campaign go to music mental health research initiatives. You can find out more about the beautiful Awesome Music Project coffee table book and all the usual places. The book features stories from amazing folks like astronaut Chris Hadfield and award-winning artists like Michael Bublé and uh, Sarah McLaughlin. And there's even some bloke called Dog Baron telling his story in there too. You can find out more about the Awesome Music Project and the AMP Foundation by going to www.theawesomemusicproject.com. All right, let's welcome back to part two of this series with my special guest, Stephanie Winston Walcoff. She is the president and founder of SW. W. She is close. She was close friends for more than for almost two two decades with Melania Trump. As someone who was highly experienced at putting together big events, she was asked to produce the inauguration and act as a senior advisor. And then in twenty uh, se- September twenty twenty, she released wrote and released her New York Times best selling book Melania and Me: The Rise and Fall of My Friendship with the First Lady which chronicles her experience working with the First Lady and planning the 2016 inauguration. We were talking about, in part one, how she was brought into that. We talked about how she had met Melania and, in many ways, kind of set up as a fall guy. Uh, when you when you listen to Stephanie speak, you realize pretty quickly, uh, this is not a Roger Stone kind of guy, <laughs> person. And, and, and it's, you know, clearly pointed out here that very different kind of personality than those who were surrounding you. Now, Steph, to sort of jump back in for a minute, first of all, to Melania, um, she was going to the Texas border wearing a green jacket that said, I really don't care to you to visit kids who were separated from their parents at the border. And you had talked about in the first part how stuff never, you know, she really was a Teflon person. Things didn't stick on her. She kind of brushed them off. So is that indicative of what that message was on that jacket? I mean, did somebody give her that jacket or did she choose that jacket? And that was like, you know, to whoever was looking. Well, so I wasn't there any longer in the White House. I had already been, I had already gone, Uh, but I had a phone call with her right away afterwards. And, um, I told her, I said, Melania, I would have jumped on you. I said, who did that? I said, was Hervé a part of that? And Hervé Pierre, her stylist, had um, told me that he had nothing to do with them. He actually thought it was a Photoshop. And he was devastated because he was getting death threats on his Facebook, his Instagram. You know, it was horrible. And so Melania explained it to me this way. She said, Stephanie, the media would have never covered me going to the border had I not worn that jacket. Now, I said to her, not only did she say that, she said they wouldn't have covered her more than two minutes, it was the mm. two minute time frame. 
The biggest thing we have to understand about Melania, and again, which has taken me a long time to understand this, mm -hmm. is that Melania is about attention and not intention. Mm -hmm. So the, her intent to go to the border was about the attention she was going to receive by going to the border. Now, yeah. when I spoke with her, I genuinely believed, and this was my reasoning for the jacket. I said, Melania, didn't you mean that you went to the border wearing that jacket because you didn't care what anybody thought about you, Melania Trump? I don't care what anyone thinks about me because I'm the first lady of the United States and I'm gonna do the right thing. And I'm gonna go, go visit those children at the border. And I am going to be, you know, regardless what, again, this has nothing to do with anyone. I said, you would have been a hero. Instead, her messaging, there was no messaging because she didn't think it through. Her office didn't think it through. Her spokesperson, Stephanie Grisham's answer was, it's just a jacket. Her husband, Donald Trump, the president said, it's, she's talking to the, to the liberal media. Others believed she was talking to Ivanka. The truth is she didn't have an idea who was talking to. It, was, it really was not about doing the right thing for the right reasons. And so for me, that was, I said to her, that is when the media, the world, and the, 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 it, the, your true self finally came out. I couldn't believe it. And that was a turning moment for me because I kept saying, and it's on this phone call, Melania, really, you didn't mean that. You, you meant it because you didn't want, you did not care what anyone thought of you, left, right, middle. It was about, I'm going to see the children. But then her explanation and rationalizing the fact that these children were better off almost in cages because they were given a bed, they were given dressers, they were given a room versus at home where they come from, they had to sleep on the floor. You know, now that to me was also a wake up call because I, you know, we're, I, I felt like I was in the twilight zone. Yeah. Again, I wasn't there myself, but I saw enough pictures to know these children were not being treated as individuals, as human beings. No. And, you know, she goes on to discuss other reasons that um, she didn't have time to reunite the families because they needed to, um, you know, go through a process and legally and by the law. And I said, Melania, can you imagine your own child being ripped out of your arms, taken from you? I mean, does that not hurt does not do you not feel that do you don't understand why everyone is just um outraged mm -hmm. by what you did and how you did it and what your husband stands for and you know she goes i get it but that was it that was enough for me to you. so for you i mean so now you're already out of the, you're already out the the uh, the headlines are already out about who you are, right? So you're recording to to protect yourself, but, but it I'm sounds still like her. I'm still yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. That, that's what I was about to say. So, but you're still quote being a friend. You're still even though you've had the rug pulled out from under you, you've been fed to the lions. You're still showing up as a friend, and of course, you're taking care of yourself by recording. I understand that. But you're still going, dude, you can change this around. You can give this at a, a least a, a humanitarian spin. Right. But it seems like 
like for for me because i've studied the psychology of general trump i've written lots about it and done lots of things about it and you know whatever i think of him the thing i admire most about him is he is a brilliant opportunist opportunist and he is a brilliant showman and he knows how to do that a lot of other things i'll have a lot of other problems with but that is true but what is what you're saying here is that that primary driver, which is called eyeballs today in the social media world, is also hers. It's, you know, the Vogue cover is nothing more than getting on that, that helicopter to, you know, it's all about, look at me. A hundred percent. And where I didn't get to finish on my CNN interview that I did with Don Lemon, where we were discussing the Vogue fact, the Vogue cover where Donald was more upset than Melania, having mm -hmm. not gotten the covers, um, when he came out and that's again when hundreds of thousands of people are dying over a pandemic and before you know the riots at the capitol and between that he was worried that his wife hadn't gotten some covers um i mean that's just okay so so i lost my train of thought because i just again the rationale behind a human being be able to think that way um again he is a showman and he is that is all he cares about is shining the light on himself but that his wife didn't have the spotlight as well Again, it affected him negatively, but Melania did care. So it's, they're both hypocritical because what I didn't get to say in that interview, Dob, was that no, she didn't care as much as he cared, but she cared. She wanted that cover. And if it wasn't going to be a cover and they asked her to do a profile, no way was she gonna do a profile. But mm -hmm. if it hadn't been a cover, she would have absolutely have done it. And so it was, picking and choosing what she wanted, you know, had she been treated um, the way that Melania Trump feels she deserves to be treated, which is at this, um, as if she is a humanitarian, as if she's done good for the world. Um, it, she doesn't, she, look, I know I'm going in circles here because it's, it's so complicated, but understand, I want to get back to me recording her. Mm -hmm. Yes, I was recording her on my, I would press record on my computer. I would press record on my um, uh, iPad. I, I wasn't, pl the plan wasn't to record Melania for releasing the tapes. And I, again, in my conversations with her, I genuinely, she was still the first lady of the United States, first yep. of all. Second of all, I was praying somewhere within me, hoped she would come out and tell the truth for me. I really believed she would. I, when I didn't you say, know when. Come out and say the truth. What 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 does that mean? What truth? I, the truth is that I that I didn't that I wasn't part of any of the criminality that was going on at the White House. That I hadn't stolen or gotten twenty six million dollars. That I was nowhere near fired. All of those things. Or that. How about this? Melania Trump washed me, wiped me away from history. I gave up everything to produce the inauguration but also to set up the entire East Wing. Mm -hmm. I created her entire initiative, working with Yale University, Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence, yep. Castle, Aspen Institute. I am no, Melania never once came out to say, forget about $26 million, not getting fired. Had Melania even just come out and said, Stephanie winston Wolkoff is my friend and she's been working with me on my initiatives. That would have been enough. Mm -hmm. Nothing. So she, had no problem just pretending as if I didn't exist for her. And that was so painful. 
Because when I ask her, Melania, doesn't it matter that we've been creating this initiative, this platform that I brought all these people on board that are going to stand by your side, experts, leaders within their own fields, yeah. therapists, doctors. I mean, all of her, her, her initiative was going to be on, based on scientific evidence-based research. So no one could actually bring up Donald and his, he being the number one cyber bully. It was all about intervention versus prevention. These were the experts and they were by her side. And to think that she was willing to just, it wasn't just about me. It was so much bigger than me, which people don't understand because no one understands what we were building. No one understands what the experts were ready about to launch at the White House to help children understand social emotional learning. And that I had the biggest place that I understood Dob, because of my three children and what I've experienced in my life. Yeah. I wanted children to understand how to relate to one another. I wanted parents to understand and to take the time. The children don't know how to express themselves. They don't know how to tell you exactly how they're feeling. You need to give them the tool set, the toolbox, and the proper instruction as to how to express themselves so it doesn't lead to the addictive behavior of using social media and bullying people on social media or turning to drugs and opioids as an outlet to feel better. Mm -hmm. That was my intention. And that's all I cared about. And so even though I left the White House, I continued working with these people. And we are continuing to this day to still build the Yale Center for Emotional Learning. And it has been instituted in so many thousands and thousands of schools around the world. It is an unbelievable way of teaching children to relate to one another, beginning at the age of three, when it matters. And so it is- that, Is that still, you know, you said that that's, that's yes. been initiated, it's been brought forward. Is it brought forward under the, under Melania's name? Is it- Absolutely or, not. Have they no. cut ties? I mean, so the day that I left was the day that they all left. I see. Um, we were, yes, we had been working together for over a year and a half, um, preparing this for her. And um, they had met with her many times with myself. I had also met with them by myself in the White House when she did not show up. Um, I mean, you have to understand the difficulties in the White House and the fact that no one, especially Ivanka, did not want the first lady to have a platform. Mm -hmm. uh, imagine these people are coming to DC to the to advise on such an issue, yeah. right? Something that was going something more important than I think most things is the first lady's platform to help children. I had to offer to buy the sandwiches and soda for Tim Shriver, Castle Institute, Aspen Institute, Yale Center for Emotional Learning. I couldn't even get a budget. They did not want me to pursue Melania's ability to have a voice or to have a platform. So it is, again, when everyone hears I pressed record, it wasn't just about the friendship. It wasn't just about the money. It wasn't just about the inauguration. It was about everything that was taking place inside the White House that the West Wing was involved with and how the West Wing was running and ruining our world. And those were part of our conversations because those were the things we were working on. We stayed away from policy entirely, but that didn't mean we didn't speak about what was happening. So there's, again, like you said, there's a lot to unpack here. So 
you are working with a, the inauguration thing is one thing altogether. There's the elite, the, the accusations that go with that. But along with that, you are also working as her advisor to help her build her platform around this, um, you know, emotional learning, et cetera. But it sounds like, like you said, there was no budget, but it also sounds like she's not really involved. So it's kind of like you're the, I don't know, uh, the, the stand-in first lady. Um, and then, you know, she just gets to, hang her hang her her uh her sign on it afterwards but you're the one it seems like it's driven more by you wanting her to look good and you wanting to make a difference for these kids not really her giving a crap okay well so here's so here's the reality because of course that's what it sounds like mm -hmm. um and again everyone would say the same exact thing. And I believe that. However, I had to look in Melania's eyes and ask her if she really wanted to do this, mm -hmm. because why would I go and do this? If she didn't want to, it would have been right. impossible. Yes. She wanted to do this. She did. I had her meet with certain, the experts and they too didn't believe she wanted to do this because how could she possibly want to, or even begin to understand this if, her own husband was the number one cyber bullier in the world. Mm -hmm. you know, biggest gaslighter. I mean, what was this a joke? Right. And she said, no, she, this was something that she believed in and it needed to stop. And so that's why they originally continued, you know, working with me because we were both all told that Melania wanted to do this. Now, understanding that she was either driver I was her, um, yeah, I was her biggest supporter, her biggest driver, her biggest, my intent was always there to promote this initiative. However, even after I was in the hospital for a month and I almost died after the inauguration, I, I, I ended up in the hospital having two spinal fusions, two pulmonary embolisms, the toll Nothing that- Nothing to do with that though, right? And everything to do with the inauguration. I mean, I, I was, really? oh yeah, I, I was, um, the, when, you know, people sometimes say, oh, you have PTSD. And I'm like, I don't have PTSD from, from what the White House did to me. Mm -hmm. The planning of the inauguration, again, you see the cases, you see what's going on around in the world around Donald Trump. I mean, those are the people I worked with. I mm -hmm. could name 30 of them for you. Um, and they're all people that have been in the news. And so my, um, when I say that I was going to end up on the bottom of the Potomac River, I wasn't joking. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's how I felt planning the inauguration because I was in the, I was at central command of all of this. I had all the information because of my access and my relationship to Donald and Melania. I could get mm -hmm. the answers quickly. I could, they knew I could, whatever I was doing the job. After in uh, flying back with her, we went to New York Presbyterian hospital for her to read Dr. Seuss to children with cancer. And um, as we were leaving, I turned around to my, um, my associate, who is no longer there, um, who had passed away, um, who I loved so much. Um, and I said, I'll be back tomorrow. And I was, um, but I was admitting myself to, to, to the hospital because the pain that I had within my neck um, was so extraordinary that I had been living with but, and didn't go take care of myself because I just had to get through the inauguration. And again, not only did I get through the inauguration, I got through the first month of setting up her 
East Wing and hiring all the people that some many she hadn't even met, um, but I had worked with her throughout and the inauguration and brought into the White House. Um, when I checked myself in, I spent a month in the hospital and after two operations, um, I left the hospital and went uh, through recovery. And it was an enormous recovery, um, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. And um, actually, I've never discussed this and something that we can get into a little more later, but one of the prime reasons why opioids was so important to me was because having been hooked up to morphine for over a month and having been, you know, um, pumped with every type of painkiller you can imagine, um, I was, you know, I left with bottles and bottles of, of medications and the refills were coming and coming. And so I needed to get off of that medication. Oh. And so we can get into that more later, but, you know, remember, and I don't know, I, I, we haven't spoken about this, but while I was in the hospital, they could not find what was wrong originally. And they thought I had lost my mind. Oh. And <clears throat> they needed to bring in a specialist who could read the, um, who could splice all of the x-rays, um, mm. who could splice the MRI. Mm. And they were able to find this it's very complicated, but the doctors can explain it. And it's explained in the book, but it really, um, there were these pieces underneath in the nerves mm. and they had broken off. And so, but at first they genuinely believed, oh my God, she lost her mind. My mother was like, what? <laughs> you know, because the pain was excruciating. I was screaming. Oh, really? Yeah. That's how bad it had gotten. So after the first operation, they, another piece had slipped. So they needed to do the second operation. But after I left the hospital and after I was going through recovery, I said to Melania, um, actually before I said, before I did anything, after I left the hospital and after I went through recovery, Melania had sent me an email asking if, um, knowing my relationship and love for humanitarian work, if I wanted to be um, the ambassador to the 72nd session of the United Nations mm -hmm. and um, working with the UN. And to me, that was like the dream job. Sure. I, you know, after all, I work with them always and I considered it. And I actually started filling out the application and I went through the process with the White House um, personnel office. Um, but in a month into it, I kept speaking to Melania and she had no one to help her. She, there was no one there to continue on with the initiative. Mm. So I said to her, Melania, this is a turning point. I need to know, do you really want this platform? Are you really going to move forward? we are able to bring these people in, will you consider this as your number one priority? And she said, yes. And in that moment, I resigned from that position. I sent a letter into the White House telling them that I was going to pull my application, that I was not going to need a, you know, a, the, the moving forward process. And um, she really, really, in that second, devoted herself to wanting to make a difference. And so, yes, I did believe she wanted to do it. Um, and so when you ask, did she want to? I believe she did. Um, at some point, she was, you know, towing the line, but eventually she stepped in line with Donald. And at that moment is when she stopped caring about anything. Uh, and what did that mean to me? Or how did I envision that to be able to say that was she always like that or was she did she become like that right? right the truth is she had always told me herself 
don't try to change anyone. People always show you who they are. You must believe that. Mm-hmm. And had I actually listened to her from day one, I most likely would have never become her friend. And mm-hmm. I have to tell you the truth. I wish I'd never met her sure. because I believed she cared not only about me, but about the greater good, but genuinely about anything. So was I swindled? The reality is she is just like Donald in showmanship. They bring you in. They find that weakness in someone. They, they give you a purpose and a meaning. And when you listen to them and you believe, they have taken all of the gravity around you and have pulled, them, pulled you so close to them that you're going to listen to them and you're going to believe them and you're going to want to believe them regardless of what anyone else says. And it's an incredibly scary feeling to be, to have someone to have the ability and power to do that over you. Well, uh, part of my studies, and we've spoken about it on this show before, uh, is I was, um, part of my work many years ago was de-radicalizing people who had been in cults. I learned cult psychology. And a lot of what I have seen uh, and watched is the application of cult psychology um, that, you know, um, I wrote an article called Decoding Trump back in 2015, and I talked about how he was using neuro-linguistic programming. I'm not sure if he ever studied neuro-linguistic programming. I wouldn't know that. But he has an innate ability to use language patterns that are perfect for cult mentality. And it sounds like what you're describing is cult behavior. Uh, And do you feel like you were somehow sucked into that cult? Not into Donald's cult, because I never listened to anything. Melania's cult. But I was the only person in Melania's cult. So that made it even extra special. So if you were the only one, do you think you, do you honestly think you were her only quote, real friend? I do know two other women that I'm friends with Yeah, that believe that they were her friends and actually still do today. Really? Uh, yes, they were very, very dear friends of mine and they chose to be her friend and not mine when all of this happened. Um, I know how she feels about them and I know what she thinks about them and she does care for them but um, she's very closed off from them, very differently than the way our friendship was. So I, it's, I, I, um, I, I don't want to disparage no. or, you know, um, or, or make anyone feel badly. Um, I just, again, I think after seeing the way that she treated um, the only friend that, again, and these two other women know who they are, and they also know that um, they also witnessed what I went through and, 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 and were very open and honest about what I had gone through with Melania in front of Melania. Yeah. Um, but it didn't matter because Melania wielded the power of the White House and the First Lady. And that meant more, you know, as you said earlier, power, the proximity to power means to many more than anything. 
I did believe naively that, of course, my proximity to power to Melania, I believed I could make a difference. And mm -hmm. so the reality is you can't make a difference with the Trump family, with any of them. And um, no matter how hard you try, but Melania, I know how and what she's feeling about these other women. And it does hurt me because I really cared about these other women as well. But I saw it happen immediately. I mean, it didn't, it wasn't the same kind of friendship, but it was one in which um, Melania would not let them in. They were her friends to a certain. So, you know, what I'm hearing here um, in the context from now, so I'm now moved into my psychology head, um, which is dangerous. Um, but, you know, what I'm hearing here is a, you know, you say that she did care about these things, but I don't know. I'm certainly not convinced that she did care about the, the initiatives. What I hear is that she cared about her image, um, which obviously she's been done a spectacular job of. Um, and that she, that ultimately it's about how anything reflects on her that she cares about. And I don't mean to interrupt you. No. I, I think it's so important because you are a hundred percent. By the way, you are 100 million percent correct. Okay. I was speaking in how it was then. Yeah. And not how it was now. And, yeah. and I, again, Dob, I was so in it believing. Yes. When you ask me these questions, yes, she believed in it. Yes. She yeah. wanted it. My book started as an op-ed. I was only writing an 800, an 800 word op-ed. Right. That's what took me the reality. You are right. No, did she care? She absolutely did not care. No. At all. And I don't know how I did not listen to my own heart and, and, and mind. Forget anybody else. I knew it. Did I really know it? I knew it. Of course I knew it. But did I want to believe it? I can say that now. I knew it. Come on, Stephanie. I knew yeah. it. But I still felt that I wanted to still make that difference. And that's my fault for believing I could. Yeah, but you know, the human beings, I, I think that, you know, there are certain ones of us who want to see the very best in people. And even when we see the worst, we want to see the best. And I think that, you know, when you say she wanted it, I think you wanted her to want it. And you saw that. Um, and you, again, I think you did leverage the power and the proximity because of the difference you wanted to make. But with that came the fact that you had to whitewash her and, and make her look clean and tidy in your own mind to justify what you were doing. Um, and then what comes out of that, of course, is you end up duping yourself. And it's not you, it's what we do. Um, you end up duping yourself. Um, but it seems like there was some part of you always holding on to this you know, I always say that the most dangerous thing in the world is potential. And people go, why is potential dangerous? Because it's made up of what you think, not what they are. And most people are not going to fulfill a potential unless they want to. So you you say, oh, well, your potential is to make a big difference in the world. And you, you're, you're a good person. And blah, blah, blah. No, actually, that's what I'm putting on you. You're the white screen. I'm projecting that on you. And let's, let's, let's just go to that. Okay. And the person goes, oh, that's good leverage. Let's go to that. Yeah, sure. But ultimately, 
and again, we're going to come into this in the next section, but ultimately where I want to end this piece is what I'm getting from you as a clarity is two peas in a pod, Donald and Melania, you know, driven by the same motives and the same things, which is the image, the brand, whatever one term, term one wants to use. And I want to come to that. I want to come to what it was like for you to be in that world. Uh, I would like to know more about you as a human being, because we haven't gotten to that yet, but what it was also like to be in that world, which is a twilight zone, to use your term, a twilight zone reality of um, the, the Trump world is, is, seems very interesting for a lot of people and we can come into the details of that. So I'm going to ask everybody to stay tuned. I want to thank you, Stephanie, for being with us for the second part. We're going to come into our third part. For the rest of you, remember, you can uh, join in this conversation inside of our Facebook group. So get yourself over there, Curiosity Bites. You can chat about this episode or any past episodes. And, uh, you know, we always still always need your help in staying relevant. So please go to wherever you tune into the show, Go there, rate, review, subscribe to the show. We love your comments. We love your feedback. And we hope that we're really bringing you some insight into things. You know, I, I said right from the beginning with this show, um, I always look to bring you people that you may agree with, but you may emphatically disagree with. And then you hear a deeper story. The reason that this is episodal, that's not the right word, is it? episodic, that's the right word, is um, is so that you get a chance to go deeper, to look at a real, what's really going on. And that there's, you know, it's not just some soundbite, it's actually the depth of it. So stay tuned, stay curious, and we'll be back in the next part with my special guest, Stephanie.